Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights, which VGK players will benefit the most from Bruce Cassidy's arrival in Las Vegas. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco, along with Chris Golick. You could find us at Locked On VGK on Twitter, at Tony Dasco on Twitter, at TD Chris G on Twitter. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. And Chris, I feel that Bruce Cassidy sent a message of sorts, especially to Jack Eichel in his introductory press conference last week when he said that Jack Eichel needs to learn how to win. And I thought that that was very telling. And I really do feel that Eichel, this will light a fire under Eichel. And I think he will be the go to player this upcoming season, especially, especially in the power play with the power play unit. He has 43 career power play goals, does Eichel. He had three power play goals in 34 games a season ago. And in Buffalo, he had a high of 11 in 68 games. And I feel that, you know, again, Cassidy understands that what Eichel could do, his capabilities, his skill level. And on the power play unit, Bruins traditionally under Cassidy, a very good power play unit. Uh, They were 15th, I think, in the NHL last season. Cassidy sounded so confident about his ability to coach the power play unit. And Eichel also had a career best of 36 goals while with Buffalo. I think he'll surpass that if he is healthy this upcoming season. Yeah, no doubt, Tony. Uh, It was very, very clear that Cassidy... Um, is viewing Eichel as someone who needs to, in his words, learn how to win, number one. And then how is Cassidy going to be the, the first coach of the, gosh, how many coaches has um, has Eichel had? Did he go through pro- probably three in his time in Buffalo? And then he's already on number two here in Vegas in such a short amount of time. And I don't put that on Eichel by any means. I know a lot of other people love to do stuff like that, but that's certainly not um, – how I'm viewing this situation, but, but yeah, I definitely think Eichel is going to be leaned on heavily by Cassidy to lead this team. And I think Cassidy understands that he uh, being Cassidy has a direct role and his leadership will directly affect how Eichel will contribute to the golden Knights next season. It's no secret that, Eichel needs to become the face of this franchise as far as success goes. Otherwise, that $10 million contract, um, along with all the other contracts, but definitely that $10 million contract will be a very painful pill to swallow if Jack Eichel cannot lead this team, not just on the power play, but five on five and on the ice and off the ice and everywhere else. And can Cassidy help prepare him, I guess you can say, for that type of role and to, you know, potentially have a letter on the front of his jersey with VGK. Uh, I also think, uh, right, the defense might benefit and your defenseman 
Uh, and in Boston, we know that uh, his teams were very good defensively. Uh, they held uh, teams to under three goals per game. Pete DeBoer says that's the magic number is three. And, uh, well, he's gone. We'll talk about him in a minute. But, <laughs> uh, but defensemen, he really likes them to lead the rush, more or less. And I think that opens up uh, some doors for players like Petrangelo and White Cloud and Theodore um, and players to be more offensive uh, from the defensive, the blue liners uh, side. So we definitely know what Petrangelo and um, Shea Theodore are capable of doing when the reins are, you know, taken off, so to speak. They can just, you know, take the puck and create opportunities. Um, you mentioned Zach Whitecloud, and Zach Whitecloud is a player that I am really fascinated to see how Cassidy can help take his game to the next level. And a parallel I look at is a Charlie McAvoy from Boston. So uh, Charlie McAvoy broke in uh, 17-18, 63 games played, uh, seven goals, 25 assists, and he was also a plus 20 that season. And then just looking forward, uh, here's our stats for the next five years after that. 18-19, 7-21, 19-25-27, 27-25-27. And 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 then in 21-22, he goes 10 goals and 46 assists. Uh, both players, they're six. They're basically right at six foot. They're within a couple pounds of each other as far as weight goes. So you're looking at the same type of body, same attributes, same strength and such. Looking over at Zach Whitecloud, 2020-21, uh, that was the shortened season. He goes 2 and 10, 2 goals, 10 assists, and also um, uh, plus 9. And then last season... In a year where our defense wasn't as good as it should have been, our offense didn't get the job done, obviously. He goes eight goals, 11 assists, and also is a plus 21. So just looking at that numbers, and McAvoy last year was a plus 31. So I really think they're going to try and find a way for Zach Whitecloud to come in either on that bottom pair or second pair, depending on how the offseason shuffle works out. But I would really love to see if Cassidy can help White Cloud become that type of like 10 goal score and 30 plus assists. Having that type of offensive push from a player who is that good defensively, again, in his first two seasons, plus nine and plus 21, two years where BGK's defense wasn't necessarily the best. I really think a player like Zach White Cloud can become even, you know, go as far as like, you know, a top 25 type level defenseman in the NHL. Really good perspective uh, on uh, Zach Whitecloud and whether or not, you know, he becomes a go-to guy defensively and offensively for VGK. What about a Jonathan Marshall so type? A hundred percent. I mean, you know, it's easy to uh, draw a parallel of uh, everyone's uh, least favorite rat in Boston being uh, Brad Marchand as far as same type of mentality, small player that, you know, Chihuahua type that's just going to, you know, snap at you and doesn't matter what size you are. But, um, you know, March is so definitely, I mean, he's taken a lot of steps forward in his statistics, you know, every single year with VGK. And he also has had a leadership role, you know, whether, whether or whether or not he has a letter on his crest. He is one of the I definitely won't say soft-spoken leaders. He is very outspoken at times, uh, not afraid to get in there and basically, uh, you know, tell the players what he thinks, how things are going. I'm sure he has many different times uh, kind of stood up in the locker room, 
you know, when things haven't been going well and, you know, maybe be the type to call a player out, but he'll also take accountability for himself. Um, Marchessault so is the type of player that's when someone, you know, when he speaks in the locker room, I, I know he's a jokester and stuff a lot of the times, but if he stands up, um, maybe stands on a chair so people can see him. But if he, when he stands up, people will give him the respect and listen to what he has to say. And, you know, Marshan, I'm sure has that same thing in Boston, say what you want about him outside of Boston, but inside Boston, I'm sure his uh, teammates adore him and will go to battle with him and uh, do what they can. Uh, another player I just kind of want to highlight here, and I'm sure this will get you going a little bit, but you know, how about William Carlson? Looking at William Carlson's first VGK season, we know what happened, 43 and 35, 78 points. But then his output has gone down every single season. Um, obviously, you have to weigh the, the the bubble season a little bit, or excuse me, the, the shortened season with the, the strange schedule and stuff. But his outputs after, after he goes 43 and 35, 24 and 32, 15 and 31, 14 and 28, which can be adjusted to probably – 19 and 32 for the shortened season. And then last season, he only goes 12 and 23 in 67 games. We know Carlson has the ability to score. That cannot be argued by anybody based on what he did in season number one. So can Cassidy take someone like William Carlson and, you know, get him to put up, uh, you know, David Pasternak type numbers? You know, is that a fair comparison? Probably not, but it's certainly a good place to start. You know, get him back to, you know, 25 and, you know, 25 goals, 35 assists. And, you know, we can get a little bit of value back from that $5 million plus contracts. Yeah. And, and, you know, to me, the thing about uh, William Carlson is they said that he was a 200 foot player and that has dwindled. The last season was not that 200 foot player. I I'm sorry. I watched every game, did not see that. The one thing about Carlson, was it an excuse or was it the truth when he said that? It lacked creativity, Pete DeBoer's system. I think he put the nail in the coffin, to be quite honest with you, with Peter DeBoer, uh, because he was the one that said, you know, this team lacked creativity. We weren't playing uh, well. A lot of the shots, you know, uh, whatever. He had a lot of multitude of excuses, but Cassidy could be that coach that revives him. And, hey, let's, let's face it. With all of that talent on the ice, with an unbelievable top line for VGK as it stands now, a very solid second line, you know, with the misfits and Riley Smith, I do believe is going to get re-signed here shortly uh, as soon as free agency opens up, you know, but to me, there's so much talent around him. And if they roll the four lines deep, there are no excuses for William Carlson to be a 30 goal scorer. There should be none if he stays here in Vegas, because he's also been uh, one of the people, one of the players that's been in the rumor mill of late. And it's funny, right? You know, you've got, uh, you talked about Marshan and Marsha and the nickname that, <laughs> that Cassidy had and the team had in Boston for Marshan, Marshy. And then he goes to Marshy <laughs> here in Vegas, which is kind of funny. Uh, and back to Jack Eichel, back to Jack Eichel. I'll tell you, this is how they're going to bond. Cassidy and Eichel will bond over the music of Pearl Jam. It's funny you say that because I don't know if I've told you this. I've 
probably that's my favorite favorite band of all time i think i've seen them 30 plus times really uh, oh yeah definitely i've seen them a ton of times around the midwest and even up in canada before and in seattle and all around chicago and st louis and stuff like that in wisconsin um some of my best memories you know growing up to that and it's funny because i saw cassidy's interview um uh, with the Golden Knights, and he did mention Pearl Jam uh, after Cher, which I would probably revert to Cher's a few <laughs> he, notches below well, he that. Watched, but, uh, um, Sonny yeah. and Cher. He liked Sonny and Cher, the TV show. Watch with yeah, the parents. He's, he's got some variety, but uh, you know, I was very uh, devastated when Pearl Jam canceled their gig here in Vegas a couple weeks ago, and unfortunately, uh, Jeff and um, and um, uh, 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 Matt Cameron uh, both were out with COVID. So that killed that, and they haven't rescheduled. So hopefully now we got some juice in Vegas between Eichel and Cassidy, and then you know I can maybe you know give out a call and see if we can get him back here sometime in the fall. Maybe maybe Ed can ring the siren for VGK as long as it doesn't offend uh, our friends up north in Seattle. Okay, so I have to come clean on this one. So Eddie Vedder was uh, performing at the Palms, right? And uh, he was there doing a solo gig Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and inside the Pearl Theater. Mm-hmm. and had a closed sound check but but <laughs> i was there and we snuck in and we were <laughs> watching and listening there was no one else in that place so that was really cool that's awesome great great singer and i've seen them like three times but <laughs> yeah but these two are going to bond and uh, we can go deeper into pearl jam and jack eichel who went to uh his concert at fenway park with his dad he loves that band he loves better he loves guitarist, period. Mm-hmm. And we'll get more into that in the, in the next few weeks. But yeah, and then, of course, Cassidy mentioned Pearl Jam. Uh, coming up next, <laughs> we will talk about Pete DeBoer. He lands in Dallas. That's coming your way next, right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including NHL hockey, uh, hockey the Stanley Cup final, MLB, we've got Major League Baseball going on, and of course, the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. The big news Pete DeBoer. He's been fired four times, Chris, since 2009, and he is named the new head coach of the Dallas Stars. And Jake Ottinger is headed for the border. No doubt. Um, DeBoer landing in Dallas. I mean, you know, Pavelski, that connection seems uh, relatively obvious. I'm sure Pavelski was uh, campaigning hours after uh, DeBoer was let go here in Vegas. And you know, you can argue if DeBoer had a rough deal or not in Vegas. I think you can certainly frame it that DeBoer doesn't shoulder all of the blame for this past season. And I'm sure that was uh, Pavelski's selling point. But just kind of looking up and down the Dallas roster, he definitely has a younger team to work with than he did in Vegas. He Obviously, you have Pavelski up there at age 37. But then you got up and coming, you know, just superstar and Jason, uh, Jason Robertson. Um, so many other just great young players on top of the leadership of older players like Jamie Benn and such like that, and, you know, Tyler Sanguin and all that. So 
it's a different type of roster than what DeBoer had. Maybe it's a little closer to what he had when um, DeBoer first joined VGK after Gallant got fired. But this might be the last one of the last chances here. I know NHL coaches, it's a carousel. You're hired to get fired and such. But, you know, DeBoer has had a lot of jobs recently. And he has not been back to the Stanley Cup final in quite some time now. He's been He knocked on the door with VGK. You can't take that away from him. But at some point, you have to get over that hump, and DeBoer might not necessarily be viewed as that type of player. Because, I mean, Dallas is close to a win-now type team as far as some of the older talent, but they also have the right up-and-coming talent to build a team that might, might be you know pretty competitive for the next four or five years. And a concern about DeBoer, as we have mentioned many times, is his ability to develop players and maximize their potential. Can he take Jason Robertson, who had just a phenomenal year last year, and keep keep that going? I mean, 41 and 38, is that going to continue? You know, Hintz uh, puts up 72 points at age 25. Uh, Jamie Bennett, 32, is still getting 46 points a season. Can he continue to lead the older talent while developing the younger talents? I don't know. Um, I'm not really sold any younger VGK players necessarily flourished and grew under DeBoer. Uh, Patch Reddy, you know, loves DeBoer and said a lot of great things, how he helped him personally out. But outside of Patch Reddy, there wasn't a whole lot of support for DeBoer in those exit interviews. And I hope that Pete DeBoer did not bring in his luggage any of those injury excuses because in Dallas, he shouldn't have many. I, I was looking at the number of games played. Pavelski, every game, 82. Suter, mm-hmm. 82 games. Mm-hmm. 81 for Sagan. 80 for Rupe Hints. Mm-hmm. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, you go up and down the lineup, and they were rel- 74 for Robertson. 74 for Klingberg. Although Klingberg was a minus 28 this past season. How could that even be? Glenn Denning played in 82 games i mean up and down the lineup this was other than goaltending this was a relatively healthy team it's really looking at klingberg's stats you mentioned i got that in front of me as well he goes six and 41 six goals 41 assists 47 points and a minus 28 so (laughs) klingberg was on the ice for a lot of goals he was on the ice for a lot of goals on both sides of the ice and that's a you know, plus minus is plus minus is a dying stat as far as importance. It's not, I don't know. I like plus minus. I think it's a very easy stat to understand. You're on the ice for a goal scored or a goal scored against you, less uh, the penalty kill, obviously. And the more, I mean, basketball has even adopted plus minus over the last, you know, seven or eight years as being a measurable statistic to see, you know, how the team performs when you personally are out there on the court, or in this case, on the ice. And, I mean, when you're a minus 28, but you had your had a hand in 47 goals, which means you had an indirect hand, you know, maybe a third assist or just simply being on the ice for a lot more, whew, that's, um, that's a tough one to a uh, tough pill to swallow for me if I'm looking at a player like that trying to evaluate what type of season they really had and, and how they helped my team. And, uh, you know, when you look at the goaltenders, uh, Jake Ottinger, a budding superstar who started the last season in the AHL, uh, played in 48 games, and goals against average was 2.53, 
played very well late in the season and into the playoffs. And then they still have Holtby, right? Braden mm-hmm. Holtby. Um, Hudobin, uh, it was gone, right? And uh, Scott Wedgwood, I think, is gone too, right? But but when you look at this team, I mean, he's got the talent there. He's got, uh, you know, a playoff team in the making, obviously. They were 46-30-6 last season, and they wound up fourth in the Central, and that could be good enough. And then hopefully uh, they just play better and stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, I definitely looked at this Dallas roster a lot more as I just kind of took a deeper look while you, while you were chatting there. Um, I look at this team a lot like uh, the team that uh, DeBoer inherited after Gallant was gone. And I think you're going to have a lot of 5-4 type games down there unless uh, Ottinger can you know, just stand on his head and Holtby. I don't even know what Holtby's contract, if he's going to be there next year or not. But, you know, those goaltenders, they're going to have their work cut out for them. And I'm curious what happens in the offseason. I'm I'm curious if the general manager even wants to get any inputs from uh, DeBoer when it comes to roster composition, because we know McCrimmon here in Vegas has no interest in what um, in what Cassidy thinks about the roster. He basically said that not so many words when, um, you know, when asked about, the involvement of the coach and the composition of the roster and it's two independent things. And so I'm kind of curious how um, that relationship will work in Dallas and not just Dallas, but everywhere, I guess, around the NHL. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of goals scored in Dallas on both sides of the ice. And, you know, VGK did win a lot of, you know, five, four type games in the playoffs that year and such. And, you know, throughout DeBoer's history in Vegas. So um, yeah, let's uh, start bet- betting the early overs uh, in Dallas, I guess. Uh, yeah, and coming up next, we're going to talk about game number three of the Stanley Cup final. We have our own personal showdown to tell you more about when we return right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco today still in Los Angeles. Chris Golick back in his home confines in Las Vegas. And we have an important favor to ask of you. We've been putting together a survey so we can learn more about you, the listener, and make your favorite Locked On podcast, like Locked On VGK, even better. And this is your opportunity. Tell us what you like, what you don't like about our Locked On podcast. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now, and you can get started. It won't take very long. Everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards to take uh, the audience survey. Once again, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. And thank you so much for all of your help. And uh, Chris, belated happy Father's Day to you. I don't know if I mentioned that uh, on the show. I'm sure you had a great day yesterday with the family. And uh, I want to talk about Stanley Cup Finals, game number three. You and I have a kind of a friendly, gentlemanly wager. Okay. Um, I said prior to the series, if the Avalanche go up two games to none, there is no possible way in hell. I don't know. I just added that that part uh, that that Tampa would come back. And so I'll tell you, I, I read a real interesting article in the Tampa Bay Times um, in perhaps the amount of high intensity playoff games could be catching up to Tampa. So tonight will be the 65th playoff game. This is hard. These numbers are incredible. The 65th playoff game for Tampa in the last 22 months. Due again to shortened seasons, COVID, everything else, injury, whatever it might be, right? 
uh, mostly COVID related. And then also, this is a team that is aging right in front of our eyes because of the 18 starters in the last game. 10 of those starters are over 30 years old. Uh, Certainly a lot to take in there. And Colorado deserves every bit of respect they're getting. Uh, Kale McCarr is just blossoming right in front of our eyes right now and setting up to have a special uh, career. You're hearing Bobby Orr mentioned, and it's definitely a fair comparison to draw early in McCarr's career. And it's not just McCarr, it's McKinnon and Langeskog, and we can go down and down and down the lineup. Um, obviously, uh, Kepper's doing a good job in nets, and uh, they're doing all this without Kadri, who is, you know, one of probably the uh, the leaders in that locker room right now. So, all the credit and love for what Colorado is doing right now, and you know, Tampa certainly all those stats you mentioned about the amount of games that's very very fair, and that was the number one reason I did feel that uh, your Rangers could get by Tampa and, you know, make a run in the Stanley cup final. Now <laughs> watching what the, what the Avs have been doing. I don't know how well the Rangers would have held up, but you know, that's uh, something we're never going to know, but you know, all, all love for what Colorado is doing. It's amazing watching what they're doing to the two time defending Stanley cup champion. Um, the game's catching up to them. Certainly all fair as well. Um, I still will stand by what I said. Let's talk after game four. After game four is where you know where this thing is going to go. And, I mean, hopefully the way things have been going with Tampa, hopefully uh, we can talk about what's going to happen in game five and beyond. Um, It's certainly in question a little bit right now. Um, I've alluded to looking at the public and, you know, courtesy of uh, Covers.com to see, you know, the pulse of the American public, because as we know, the American general public is usually wrong. Otherwise, we wouldn't have all these beautiful sports books inside Las Vegas and, yeah. you know, now around the country. And going into the last game, I think it was right around 60 percent of the public was uh, very high on Colorado, 40 on Tampa. So I'm like, OK, this is you know looking like a nice spot. Well, eh, oops, that didn't necessarily happen. Looking at tonight's game right now. The American public absolutely adores Tampa to uh, come back in game three at 66% of the public loving Tampa, which means uh, just over 30% is in favor of Colorado. But now going a step deeper, the sports books are still a minus 10 both sides. You know, maybe you go a nickel here or there, depending on, on the book and such, but minus 110 on both sides. They like this game as a toss up, even though the money is lopsided towards Tampa. So you know, is the public, does the public have this all figured out or is the public going to be wrong yet again? Um, if I'm going to wager just simply based on looking at the American public, I'm going to fade the public. And uh, I think Colorado probably wins this game just based off of that. But, you know, I'll still say it again. Tampa deserves all the respect they've earned just because they're down two nothing. I don't care that it's 11 to three, the, the score output. I, I don't care about any of that. The series is 2 nothing. Tampa's got the next two home games. They're the defending Stanley Cup champion. I still am comfortable with where Tampa is right now and to you know win not only tonight, but to win game number four and give everyone a new perspective on this series of you know, going back into the weekend. Yeah, get me, get me to the airport ASAP because uh, I got to land in Vegas before the face-off tonight. That's <laughs> ridiculous. I, it, the Avalanche are bigger, stronger. More physical, all of those elements mm-hmm. that I had mentioned before. Very well coached, series. too. Well coached. A blowout. Seven nothing. You just erased that game. I had that, uh, I had to retweet that photo yesterday, right? Of um, Vasilevsky with a beach ball going past him in the goal. Seven goals. That's unheard of. 
against Vassy, against Tampa. And uh, the Avalanche in the playoffs are threatening right now, I think, right? The Edmonton Oilers record for best record in the playoffs to win a cup. They're at 14 and two. They're 14 and two in the playoffs. They will be without, uh, it's a big loss tonight, but I think that they left Andre Borkovsky back in Denver. Uh, had that hand injury the other night. So I think he's out for tonight's game. But overall, I just, I like the momentum. Again, they're just so much bigger, more physical. They're stronger than the Rangers, much stronger mm-hmm. and much more physical. And I don't know if they can flip the ice here. Uh, I, I'm not feeling it personally. It's totally fair. And, you know, I definitely, my confidence level when I made the statement to you uh, last week, if they fall down to nothing, you know, I wouldn't be concerned at all. No, based on the way this series has gone, there's a lot of concern. It is very, it's very reason. It's much more reasonable that this thing ends in four games than we're going to go back to Colorado tied at two, uh, you know, for Friday or Saturday, whenever they play their next game. No doubt. I mean, the, the ice is tilted. You can, any cliche you want to use for how it's going uh, can be made. The biggest question, and, you know, I, I was listening to the game uh, on the NHL network. Why was Vasilevsky still in that game coming right. into the third? And, you know, a, a big argument, it, it was, it was, it was very interesting. So at first the announcers who are neutral on, 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 um, you know, for the Stanley cup final, at least the broadcast I was listening to, they were pretty down early on Cooper, but then I, I don't know if they got, you know, someone in their ear telling them to walk it back a little bit or not, but they walked it back very quickly saying, listen, trust John Cooper, trust the, the trust, his relationship with the players and the perspective they were drawing is either Cooper presented to Vasilevsky. Hey, do you want to be pulled? Or it was Vasilevsky going to Cooper and saying, I'm not coming out of this game. Don't no matter what happens, but then going a step farther into that, uh, I guess the body language for Vasilevsky when the sixth goal went in was just kind of like, you know, throwing your arms up in the air, like, okay, what can I do? So uh, I'm very curious, and I, I didn't watch the postgame press, or I don't know if that was addressed or if an answer was given if it was addressed. But uh, I'm, I'm definitely curious about what did happen in the locker room and why Vasilevsky was allowed to finish that game. I mean, injury risk, like that's the biggest concern, obviously, that anyone would have in a five nothing game. If Vasilevsky, you know, goes down in that third period and has a series slash season ending ending injury, you know, all the eyes go on Cooper at that point. Okay. So Vasilevsky in this year's playoffs, 19 games, 12 wins, seven losses. He had that one overtime uh, loss in the playoffs. That's a lot of games. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of games. That's a lot of wear and tear. And then, high intensity games. You know, yeah. High intensity, right? Uh, I, I just don't know. And he looks so average, you know, to me currently. Um, yeah, he doesn't look like the Vasilevsky that we were used to during those other playoff runs. But again, though, keep in mind, I'm not going to count him out because he does get stronger as series wear on. It's amazing, right? I'd like to see him in, you know, in the latter stages, some numbers on how well he fares you know, in games like four plus, you know, I I think that that would be a real interesting statistic. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, Vasilevsky's career playoffs, everything 
Um, certainly spells that there shouldn't be a whole lot of concern for how he's going to perform. But listen, he's rattled. I mean, let's just say for a second, Colorado in the first 45 seconds, you know, scores in any regard, whether it's a nice two on one or a breakaway or just a, you know, a, a seeing eye type of floater that Vasilevsky just whiffs on on the glove on the on the blocker side, like you like to highlights. You know, that could spell concern very quickly. I mean, you know, the Tampa crowd is going to be into it tonight. You, this might be the loudest they're ever going to be in the playoffs trying to support their boys. And can Tampa take that energy and use it positively? Or are they just going to come out and Corey Perry is going to do something dumb and, you know, go after the goalie again or kneel on someone's ankle, all the all the weird stuff. And by the way, I would take Corey Perry in Vegas any day of the week to be completely clear here. Maybe that maybe Corey Perry is our rally cry for next year, Tony. Let's just no, let's I just like, shift gears. I, I like shift I, gears. I still like I still like uh was it Josh Manson? Manson from uh from the Avalanche and he scored a goal the other night too. He <laughs> is heavy. That guy is a huge physical presence. Hey, who is the backup goalie for Tampa? Is it still is it Max Lagasse? I know it, that that beard that they kept showing him uh, was it Lagasse? I, they kept showing that that beard was way too uh, too well groomed and uh, that, that, that that's a beard that's got some that's got some miles on it. And I don't think was it, it Brian, think, El- Brian Elliott. That sounds better. I mean, I can look it up here in a second, <laughs> I guess. But um, no, it's just pretty funny. I forgot that Lagasse was there, uh, was in Tampa. Uh, but interesting. But yeah, uh, no, we'll see a better performance by Tampa by Vassie, and there won't be any Blink-182 music tonight in Tampa. That is just remarkable. Like, e- even the even the the Silver Knights were trying to get on that train where they, they play a song during one of, the, one of the commercial timeouts and the crowd keeps going. I think they did um, uh, they did uh, a Bohemian Rhapsody, and that was pretty cool. The, the Silver Knights crowd down at Dollar Loan Center, they got into that, but then they did, then they tried the Blink-182 thing. It's like, you know, fine, cool, but Let's find something different or at least a different song. <laughs> yeah, small things. That is incredible with all the crowds singing. Oh, it's that, awesome. That it's gives so you chills, fun. right? And, yeah, and you could find on Twitter like the entire rendition. So tonight, your prediction, you're going to stick with Tampa. Yeah, I have to. I mean, I, I'm chasing right now. I'm Martin Galing. I'm whatever you want to use here. I'm, I'm, I'm going deep side. into the safe behind me to uh, to get even here. But um. You know, I, I think Tampa bounces back, and let's let, let, let's flip the let's flip the script here. Let's go with like a nice two to one or three to two type of game. Um, you know, a low scoring, a little more traditional affair tonight. All right, and uh, we thank everyone for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow morning, and we appreciate uh, you listening to us as your first listen right here on Locked On Golden Knights for your second listen. Make sure that you check out Locked On NHL for all of the Stanley Cup final coverage. I'm Tony Cardasco for my man, Chris Golick. We thank you all for tuning in and we'll be back again tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Take care.